running Gord Stellick here. What time check? One in the afternoon. What are we doing here? Well, it's a new show. It's the Leafs this week. You'll find it on the Leafs Nation podcast feed. We'll be here with you weekly, one to two every Sunday, kind of recapping the week with what that week that was, looking ahead. And let's be honest. We really just needed to introduce a little more electricity to the airwaves, so we needed to carve out some more time. Gordo, I'm fired up to be here on a uh, Sunday afternoon, and we're, we'll be back tonight, but uh, I, I'm excited to uh, get to talk to you now. Yeah, you know, there's always hydro issues in December, so a little more electricity could help <laughs> if there's some power outages, so I appreciate that. And, you know, Brent... Uh, the Leafs this week, if we start the first two weeks of the season, it would have been spelled W-E-A-K, right? I mean, the way <laughs> yeah. things have gone. And uh, to kick it off here in hockey season, uh, like December, I always kind of viewed it as, uh, well, the Great Cup doesn't seem to matter as much anymore, and it's going to get played next week. But when it used to be over and you kind of got down to, you know, serious hockey, December was the start of it. Tickets got a little bit harder to get, what have you. And what a great first week to lo- look back I'm, I'm sure there's been weeks just as good. I'm sure there's probably been weeks you can argue are better in Toronto Maple Leaf history. But, wow, what a, you, you finish up the California Dreaming Trip last Sunday, and they win all three games in California, even though they're not the, you know, say the California-based teams of five, five years ago. And then you have what we've been waiting for, a laugher offensively against a very, very tough, competitive Colorado Avalanche team. And last night, I don't know if a lot of people watched it or listened to it, but it comes off as a 4-3 shootout loss. But if you're looking at games that get one point in by virtue of an overtime loss or a shootout loss, this is this is as good a point as you can get, Brent. Yeah, it really was. That was a uh, you know we we were kidding around last night on the post game show with uh, with our with our uh, producer for post game show Sam McKee. You know, you guys said that was your favorite. I I, I still will take the eight three, but that was an incredible that was an incredible hockey game to watch last night, and it just it felt like. It felt like playoff hockey. It felt like you were up against a big, heavy, physical team. You had the fight in there. You had the comeback. Unfortunately, the comeback has been a little too too much a part of Leafs playoffs lately. I'll, I'll take uh, starting with the lead as opposed to having to come from behind all the time. But that was just that was an incredible game. And yeah, you mentioned it here. You know, we're we're gonna look back at the week. That's what we'll do. But I mean, I think we can kind of just look back over the entirety of this stretch. So it's it's 14 and 2 heading into last night. It's now 15 2 and 1 or sorry 14 2 and 1 after the overtime loss there or sorry shootout loss. It's just it's just really an incredible stretch from a team and I think I think honestly the most the most remarkable thing about it is that even there are still some holdouts out there for sure, but this is the stretch everybody needed to do the old Godfather three. Like, oh, they're pulling me back in again. Uh, there were so many people who said, oh, call me in the playoffs, call me in the playoffs. And there's still a lot of that going on. But I think when you see a stretch like that and you beat all the different teams and you do it on the road, you do it at home, it just it really allows you to believe that, man, maybe, maybe, maybe this year's different. Okay, okay, so wait a sec. So we're talking about uh, this great time where we're talking which win do you like the best, and I'm not even talking about a win. So you're saying you like Wednesday. So 8-3, you're like the grade two kid at the game with his 100%. dad or mom. and they're, and they're and, pop rocks and all that stuff. Yes, yeah. yes, and as long as you keep eating stuff, you don't have to wear your mask, so you know that scam. But anyway, you're there, and the dad or mom want to go. I don't, I don't even know if people beat traffic anymore. I don't know if that expression exists. But, uh, it's so always there. No, but you want to. You want to stay to the bitter end. I'm picking last night. Down 3 nothing, not compelling. Three goals in under seven minutes. And, I mean, really earned goals, really earned power plays, and a real 
exciting third period of play, exciting overtime, and I was kind of surprised their first shootout of the season. So anyway, it's kind of, it's it shows where Leaf Nation is right now that we're splitting hairs on splitting hairs on different wins. But uh, I I think when we and I, I know we want to you know break down the games individually and about, but I like the different ways that they're finding ways to win. And that's the big intangible is they did it last year. Again, last year, as we realized, was an imperfect science. Uh, it was in a, in a bubble. It was within the same division. But uh, I've maintained what I've loved is developing good habits. And then uh, in the regular season right now, there's a, you, you look at the different ways that they've won this past week. And, and uh, a ro- great road game against Anaheim. The laughers, so to speak, against Colorado, all the offensive firepower. And then this great playoff hockey last night, playoff-type atmosphere against Minnesota. Yeah, that, that that is right. You kind of check all the boxes, and I mean, I'll even I'll even walk back a little further. You you think a game against the Sabers earlier in the month where they did not have their best. That was Joe Wall's first first career start, and they find a way to get it done on a night where they didn't have their A game, they didn't have their B game. That might have been their C or D game, and they still find a way. And that's the most encouraging thing to me is that they have not needed to rely on having the laugher in the past. It always felt like that was what allowed this team to feel at its absolute best that was what made this team feel like they were really doing something was when they were filling up the net with pucks and don't get me wrong everyone still loves that but it feels to me like it's just checking another box off every single night that's what this team is kind of taking its pride in and it really does it really does kind of let you believe um well let's let's kind of uh, dive in uh, a, a little more you know the, we we look at last night's game Jason Spezza I mean we said it all, so often early on in the season he was the best leaf last night I don't know that he was the best leaf last night but he was at the absolute heart of that comeback he has both he has the first two goals he sets up Matthews for the third he draws the penalty in overtime just everything you could have wanted you you got out of Spezza last night it's just it's such a luxury to have for what is basically your fourth line center well, early on, those first two weeks or three weeks of the season, however long it was, and we would say a number of times, uh, Brent, when we were talking about a game in Leafs Nation postgame, uh, Jason Spezza was the best Leaf, and, 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 and that was unfortunate because it meant uh, the other the other guys weren't firing on all cylinders, and there was no, no insult to Jason Spezza in the slightest. So yesterday, if he was the best Leaf, it wasn't a team that everyone was firing and a team that w- did not have Mitch Marner last night, uh, won't have him tonight in Winnipeg, um, hopefully he can come back Tuesday, but I don't know. I mean, uh, that collision in practice with Jake Muzzin obviously taking its toll. But uh, Sheldon Keefe, and he said late, you know, later on about having to mix things. It was a challenge that he put Wayne Simmons on Austin Matthews' line originally off the top. Uh, he wasn't there all the time, but he certainly embraced that opportunity. And then he had to find spots for Jason Spetz, and one of them was on the power play with Marner's absence. So, you know, it's it's great in this kind of this kind of theater that Spezza is able to thrive as well when when every when pretty well everybody else is going great guns. I know he said at the end of the game, Joey Anderson, who had only got about three minutes, he kind of got lost in the shuffle. And part of at least this week, we'll take a look at some uh, Toronto, well, how the Toronto Marlies and some of the prominent Marley players are at the uh, at the end of the hour. Uh, but it's. Uh, it, it it was it was I mean Jason Spezza could do everything. He's the guy. Break glass in case of emergency. Break glass. Jason Spezza comes out and he goes, "Where do you want to put me? Okay, I'm there, and I'll I'll, I'll give you I'll give you a solid whatever minutes you want." And it's just he's been that guy for this team pretty much since the second he's got here. Well, not not the second because as we all will never forget, he didn't get to play in the first game. So so I guess not the second he got here. But I mean the moment that I 
I, I'll think of when I think of his his Leafs tenure, his Leafs run is is that fight in the fifth game of the Columbus series against Boone Jenner. And, you know, Jason Spence is no dumber. He knows exactly how a fight at, at age uh, 36 is going to go for him against Boone Jenner. But he was he was throwing the team he was in it. And it's just he has always been that guy. And the fact that you you see people kind of I don't want to say matching his level of compete because I don't think it's been that but it's just we talk about it the buy-in the buy-in the buy-in the buy-in and and he feels like the kind of poster boy uh for for that for me you know I I think the thing we're hoping to see tonight is he's available based on everything we're hearing it, it sounds like he will be sounded like it was more a a uh, precautionary thing than than an actual injury that kept him out of the shootout late last night because I mean you're not gonna have Marner tonight and you know we'll we will preview the game against the Jets a little more later on in the show but it just feels like you you kind of borderline can't afford not to have Spets in the lineup tonight if you're already going to be missing Marner yeah and to go back a, a step or two we imagine uh, everybody's heard about the game or watched and listened to the game so a couple of storylines one as you mentioned the slash Jason Spezza took and at first it, it looked like he got cut on the face and then we thought is he embellishing it to draw the penalty in overtime certainly the Minnesota Wild bench weren't thrilled about the call but then you saw it was a slash to the hand and as we know that's what gets called those are getting called all the time now any kind of slash in that area he said afterwards that it was like the first 30 seconds it's just horrible pain you know we've all had that you had that last night when you banged your knee against the counter yeah it was 30 <laughs> seconds it was tough to watch but then you rallied for a solid post-game show and the other that's kind of interesting is the whole Marcus Foligno situation, and you, everyone loves the Felinos. Everyone loved their dad, Mike, when he played. We know the story how um, how devoted they are in raising funds and awareness to help battle cancer. They lost their mom, Janice, a number of years ago, and certainly someone uh, around the Toronto scene people remember fondly when when Mike played for the Toronto Maple Police, but. You know, two things. One was he gets involved in that fight with Wayne Simmons, and a lot was shown on Hockey Night in Canada how he actually did come back off the bench. But credit Kirill Kaprizov for having the presence of mind that Felino went on the bench. Kaprizov was supposed to come off, and then all this stuff was going on. Maybe Kaprizov didn't want to get involved in that. But by him not going on the ice, you know, Felino did re-enter from the bench, but it, it was not an odd man thing. So he's going to duck disciplinary action. I did like there was some Minnesota report saying, yeah, not quite sure about the whole hit hit on, uh, uh, on you know, basically the hit on the Maple Leaf goaltender on Jack Campbell. Like th- th- that was a dirty play. You know, we kind of, we, we, we kind of tiptoe around certain names because they play hard and we respect that. That was a dirty, dirty play. And then you got the thing where if Jack Campbell wants to embellish which, hey, you and I would in a second. Well, look at you last night with your knee, man. Holy America, you would have been great. But the danger you run into is, okay, great, maybe you get the penalty, but now the concussion spotter has no choice but to say Jack Hamill's out of the game. So it's a whole different can of worms. But it was, I, like, I was surprised because I can I, I respect Felino for the type of player he was. But, man, he, he took a free pass through the crease. Nobody touched him. And that was the kind of thing. Remember James Reimer got hit all those years in a game against Montreal and got concussed and, and really wasn't right the rest of the season. This was very, very similar. Yeah, it was. And, and honestly, I'm a guy who more times than not, I have a lot of patience for saying, look, Marcus Felino or whoever it's going to be who's cutting to the front of the net, they're entitled to their ice as well. But Campbell wasn't even out at the top of the blue paint. He was firmly entrenched in his net. And that, that's the thing that bugged me the most about that play. I understand it if Campbell is coming out a lot and he's outside of his crease to cut out the angle. Well, Felino has to be able to make a play there. But the, just, just the way Campbell was, was basically 
tucked in his net. It was just his head <laughs> basically sticking out there that, that Felino caught. That that was the thing that, that made me that, that that bothered me the most about about that play. I mean, and again, the like the coming off the bench, I understand the explanation of it. I, I get it. I the thing I keep going back to with all that is he was coming off to fight someone instead of Jordan Greenway, who's a really, really big boy, and he could handle himself just fine. But yeah, Felino definitely had himself uh, an eventful night. I wouldn't think that the the knee would have been looked at by any means. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but it's just, it is definitely a play that you, you could have called something on uh, goaltender interference, name one. Yeah, last time I saw Foligno, um get involved in a fight, it didn't, didn't work out very well, right? Back at Nick Foligno, right. you know? That's and right. uh, and when I say God rest his soul, I mean his Toronto Maple Leaf soul. Like, everybody wanted it to be better. He's as frustrated as anybody that it didn't work out. That'll be an interesting, you know, for the Maple Leafs now. We're getting way ahead of ourselves talking trade deadline deals, but why not? You know, there's all kinds of obvious names out there, whether Ben Sherrod from the Montreal Canadiens for starters, uh, whether Phil Kessel from Arizona, though I don't see a reunion for him in Toronto, but just... A lot of kind of names. And I, I think last year, the Leafs and Kyle Dubas really felt, really felt pressure to make that deal. And seeing the kind of balance that I'm seeing right now and more of an identity with a, with a third line, kind of two-way line that I hadn't seen the last couple of years, um, I wonder if they'll feel that pressure. To me, if you're going to do something, you can never be short depth on D. I think that's the one mm-hmm. that, you know, you know, if you're looking, hopefully, for that, that playoff run. But I, I, I think maybe the Nick Felino thing will get them revisiting, saying, you know what, we don't have to succumb, whether they did or not, to the pressure or the perception from the fans and everybody that, you know, you got. And Because when you do make a deal, it also says something in the dressing room. You can't discount that. But I think they might be over it now. I think they might have appreciated. They might have appreciated starting the year with Joe Thornton, you know, all those things. But I think right now... These guys got themselves out of this little hole that was becoming a big hole they dug the start of the season. And uh, Kyle Dubas showed a loyalty and willingness to ride with these guys and um, particularly being hard up against the cap, even though people probably go, wow, love to hear some trade deadline deals. Uh, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they just ride with the existing cast, uh, all things staying relatively the same. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess the big question and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to tell you I'm I'm a, a salary cap expert. So I always I always kind of sit back and, and try to let other people figure this out. But I guess the, the one question they're going to have is when Peter Mrazek is back, they're going to have to shuffle some bodies. Kyle Clifford out. OK, that's easy. Ilya Mikheyev, he's coming back. You're going to have to find a way to fit him in. And it's just they are going to have a, a bit of a crunch. And it does seem like somebody may have to go. But, you know, I, I, I go back to what I thought when the rumors first came out about is the team shopping one of Dermot or Hall, potentially both. You're going to need both of those guys. Now, if you're going to upgrade one of them, okay, I can understand that to a certain extent, but it's hard to upgrade without spending more money on the cap. So I'm with you. I, th- I think that you can never have too much depth on D, but I'd be I'd be very wary trading trading any of those blue liners. I mean, I know I know Justin Hall has been kind of struggling. He hasn't had the year he had he had last year, but it's just I think you're going to need that depth. And you know, Timothy Lilgren's been a good story so far, but we're we're all of 40 games or, or so into. His his NHL career. So I think you have to be careful what you have there. I think that's going to be the kind of interesting storyline to watch over the next couple of weeks is, is what, if anything, does this team do before Mrazek comes back? And, and Brent, you know, the word shopping, I don't know where that came from. Okay. General managers um, touch. Base. You would know. 
Yeah, well, but no, but the conversation always is about you get a feel. Uh, you, you you talk to 31 other colleagues and you get a feel what they're thinking. Now, obviously, if the heat gets turned up, they start losing, uh, you know, kind of like Vegas and Buffalo in the Jack Eichel situation, then okay, uh, the environment is uh, is more conducive to some kind of trade. But that's basically, you kind of go, hey, what do you, and a guy, a guy might go, oh, I'm thinking of uh, Brent Gunning, you know, he's a guy I'd look to move because we got this, whatever, whatever. But shopping, like that's the equivalent of, you know, hey, Brent, you know, you, you, you know that used car I have, the muffler that, you, you know, your neighbors complain about when I drive by, the one with all the bald tires and that? Yeah, you want to buy it? I've been shopping. You know, like, like that's like I, I, that term bugs me. It's like, hey, they're not playing well. Uh, Justin Hall's not playing well, so let's shop him. Oh, you know, you're, that's where you get a, a bag of pucks or something at that point. Like, good on, good on him and good on the team in general. Because Muzzin and him had a terrible start uh, about whatever it is. Just when I say consistent team D, it's not just them, and that may that may be a, be a big part of it. Why they are seem to be playing better. Of course, Jack Campbell makes everybody play better defensively. But you know, you know, good <laughs> on them for turning it around. Whatever. So yeah, trade whatever trade talks are going on. Um, that would be an ongoing process. And again, if I could see more, uh, and it's tough to make those those good hockey trades, but I could see more of that that Kyle Dubas would be looking at. Because that also, generally a good hockey trade is just not made for cap reasons. It's made for like the old-fashioned um, hockey trade that, you know, deals with the two, uh, particular voids on the two teams, hopefully fulfilling them. Oh, man, hockey trades. I miss those. I remember them from way back when. Uh, it feels like we almost never get it. There, There is a clear winner and loser on day one, and then those sides usually flip uh, if, we, if we look five years uh, uh, down the road. Uh, obviously, I want to I wanna look ahead a little bit to tonight's game, but before I do, it just kind of, you know, we talked about a, a little bit about this on our pregame show with, with Terry Koshan. Just how much credit does, does Sheldon Keefe kind of deserve for, for this run that the team has gone on? I mean, I'll never sit here and say it's the coach. You know who it is. It, it's the goalie you mentioned it it's the goalie and then it's the rest of the team and then it's the coach but I feel like Keith has done a really solid job of just kind of striking the right note knowing when to ride his team uh we'll, you know we'll take his comments after the Carolina game uh, aside where he anointed them but I, I felt like he's just kind of had exactly the right moves th- this year so far other than or well actually basically since they've come out of that that awful stretch with the win in Chicago basically a month ago Okay, I'm going to get back to that. I do like Sheldon Keefe and have from day one. I get a kick out of what is what you know. What is the latest storyline out there? Because when you win, whatever you're doing is great. So initially, Sheldon Keefe. Remember they practiced and they practiced to music. And I the think he, I think he brought I think he brought a food truck in, an arts and crafts truck in, and they <laughs> they went on four different arenas and they had 27 coaches out there and it was beautiful and what have you. Okay. And then, uh, and then they didn't take it serious enough. They pl- they published that picture in Florida. The guys deep sea fishing, and uh, the next day they were said, "You guys should have stayed on the boat." You know, with the way they lost to the a four point game to the Panthers. So the latest thing is taking care of business, right? The good old Canadian group. Uh, so they're taking care of business. The California trip, they just focused on business only. Um, I, I I like the the players, the leadership group talking about that, and you know I'm cool with that. But it's just funny uh, when you win, whatever you're doing works, and you know, part of it is, I think nowadays there's only so many Bill Belichicks in the world. Is that if you're Sheldon Keefe, you've you've got to be flexible and and uh, and try different things and and you know maybe different ways that work or not. I, I you think of seriously, Brent, the whole he took over from Mike Babcock. Uh, it it really it really was going to be very difficult to make the playoffs at that point. And you know, and and right away, 
he got them to buy into a, a kind of hockey they don't really fully play anymore, but, you know, more puck possession. You remember initially they'd hang on to the puck forever, kind of like Pierre Engvall skating back towards his own goal is burned yeah. into my mind with that style of play. Well, oh, and by the way, it gets back to Sheldon Keefe. Okay, <laughs> Paul Perry for 40. Pierre Engvall, you get a chance to be in overtime. Did he overstay his welcome or out there? Okay. Big you time. You remember that? We're, we're watching him going, hey, he's got to get off. Like, he's, you know, he's, hey, great. You got like three on three overtime. <laughs> but he's going, this is my one and only chance. So he stays one longer for a rush, and then he is screwed, huh? You're, he's yep. so lucky they didn't score. He was just completely spent. So, anyway, that's my potpourri on Pierre Engvall because that's kind of a good match because he's sort of the Sheldon Keefe guy that uh, everybody, uh, Bruce Bruder was just talking about that, and, we're, you know, Jake DeBrusque in Boston now about with Bruce Cassidy that all of a sudden, you know, one, there's a player or two that just, you know, are always in the coach's doghouse or whatever house is the equivalent nowadays. And, and uh, he seems to be that for the Toronto Bay Police, although nobody's in that house right now. No, nobody is. And I, I, that's the thing I can't quite figure out because I think the way Keefe talks about Engvall sometimes, he thinks he should be the best player in the world. Like, if he didn't think he was any good, I think it'd be, yeah, we like you, you can tell when a coach is asked about a player and he's just almost done with them, it, there's just not a lot there. It's, uh, we need more or, or whatever. But it, it's just the way Keefe goes so in on Engvall and he makes him a, a focal point, it, it seems like at times. And you can easily see why. He's six foot five and he skates like the wind. If he would only ever lean on somebody and shoot the puck in the net just a little bit more, but I, you know, I think he's kind of found a home on that on that third that third line, the the checking line, the identity line that that Keith's been waiting for for oh so long. And you know, I, I like what you say there about how Keith was was when he came in with the music going and. And all of a sudden now we're, I mean, I think it's only two and a half years. It feels like five years ago that the Keith's taken over. And all of a sudden you listen, in, you listen to him talk. It, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like it because no one sounds like Mike Babcock. But it's kind of the same thing. Preaching puck possession, peach, preaching discipline, preaching buy-in, preaching starting on time. It's amazing how when, when, you're, when a team is just kind of done with the messenger, somebody preaching pretty similar things just in a slightly different way, it, it can click. And I think that's kind of clearly what's happened here with, with Keith and Toronto. Yeah, I mean, it's something every coach preaches is two-way hockey, and whatever it is, it seems to have really resonated, you know, with the team right now. And, and you know, to go back to Sheldon Keefe, and I bet, you know, the extolling the many positives I have, but I will say, and, um, and, and again, the summer, you know, it's probably debatable, like, how much should they um, – visually wear it or seem to wear it or publicly wear it. It just seemed like nobody was really wearing within the organization the yeah. abomination that was that playoff elimination after the abomination that was the playoff elimination to Columbus the year before. And uh, that goes from top to bottom. Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, uh, all the players, everybody about it to see, you know, rise, you know, rising up and, and, and not just blowing that off, which I think a lot of us kind of perceive that, oh, well, it's part of the process and yada, yada, yada. And, and Sheldon keep point like he won a Calder Cup that's a hard cup to win the American Hockey League Championship he won that with the Toronto Marlies it's it's really a very very almost fair equivalent the journey to the Stanley Cup but he didn't he didn't do a good job he didn't do anything game five six or seven you know I, I know it's your big line you know but it isn't happening okay and they're out there for 24 minutes and you know guys a great checker like Deneau was doing it for Montreal and that where I think he's looking at it right now saying Okay, I'm I'm liking this because 
I feel like there's more options out there, and also I have to look at those options. I have to I have to react in games more so that just games five, six, and seven we don't lose them in that manner. And at the end of it, we've kind of thrown the same lines out there. And I think you're you're seeing that's why you're seeing a lot more of. And last night was a great example. Him just saying. Got a Mitch Marner, and now I got four lines of three without Mitch Marner, but it's a different scenario. So I've got to wear. I got to spot Simmons. I got to spot Spezza. I got to. I got to do do a, do a few things, and he, and he's done that really really well. And and that's going to be very important in the playoffs. Yeah, it is, uh, and it's funny. We we talked a lot about the the special teams with this team last year, and you know they I credit where credits due. Again, I, I want to be clear: most of the pre- credit, if not all, should go to the players. But you've got you've got uh, I I always butcher his name. Gene Chanowski is the coach who who runs the D and runs the yeah, PK. Yeah, Gene Chanowski. Yeah, and, and then and then you have Spencer Carberry who who's running the power play now. You have the sixth best penalty K in the league. You have the the seventh best power play in the league right now. You add them both up, you're up at over a hundred. 10%. That's kind of your magic number there. And it's just, it's amazing how when you can kind of take the worry away from those elements of the game. I just, you know, with, with all the consternation we did around those two phases, I, I feel like we should probably give both of those guys just a little bit of credit for, for how well both those units are going so far this year. Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I lay off it. I find, you know, it's like pitching coaches, batting coaches, everyone gets too much credit and too much blame. But, uh, but, they, but, but I'll give them credit. They work hard, okay? They work hard. I think you and I said early on when they were struggling, you know, stop looking at the uh, at the tabloid all the time. Why don't you watch the game a little bit? <laughs> you know, sometimes let's do the eyeball test and watch a little bit of the game that always looking. Because I'm telling you, the players, and particularly when they're winning, Quite often they'll they'll get it to look. They just want to see their own highlights. I'm sorry, they do. I mean, <laughs> it's not like there's not strategy out there. Okay, I'm, I'm not, but just a, a big part of it is they want to see a uh, just be reinforced about a, a great kind of play they made. But in, in the other part about deploying, you know, different different personnel at, at times, and you know, we're talking about Marcus Foligno, and again. Well, we're doing the Leafs this week, and and uh, El Gordo being a lot older than Brent, who by the way named his one-year-old or is is now one-year-old Gordon, which I'm honored about. Not after me, but there's very few little kids named Gord, so I love that. But I uh, keep it going. so I can I can you know go back a little bit, and I'm just saying in the 1993 playoffs that. Marcus Foligno's dad, Nick Foligno, he scored the big overtime winner, Game Five With against Detroit. Yes. Yes, and you're jumping in the air and just celebrating. And, of course, the Game 7 overtime winner was scored by Nikolai Borshevsky. And those weren't really core three-line guys. That Like, Pat Burns was a real adept bench boss about get, getting different different players out, out there and was really good at it. And, um, you know, I, I didn't realize Game 7, and again, this is before your time, but against Los Angeles Kings, I mean, the infamous game was Game 6. The high stick that was missed, we all know that. Then Game 7 was Wayne Gretzky's best game ever at Maple Leaf Gardens. But there was one, and, and when Mark Osborne uh, was with me uh, on Leafs this week, you're watching a highlight of it, and, and Bernsey got messed up and happened to have Kent Manderville out against Wayne Gretzky. And Gretzky just dined on him for an easy goal, right? You know, and that wasn't, and that wasn't the DNA of Pat Burns as a as a bench coach generally. So, uh, so that's those are the difference makers in playoffs, and that's what we haven't seen for the Maple Leafs so much, except Kasperi Kapanen getting that overtime goal against Washington all those years ago, when you know we hardly knew who he was. 
Oh, Brian Boyle, sweet little behind the back feed. I could I could still picture it now. And you know, it look every every team that goes on runs in the playoffs, they have their little special moments. And I'm telling you right now, if this team goes on a run, and we have a long, long way to go before we even play one playoff game, so I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. But Nick Ritchie is going to score a big, big goal for this team if there is a run to be had, because you just need those guys who have been a part of the team. And yeah, they are maybe not where they expected to be when they signed. But they've found a new role. Wayne Simmons going to score a big goal. Jason Spezza, like you need all of those guys uh, coming through because you're you're right. That's what it takes. Like your big guns have to be your big guns. But who scored the cup winning goal for the Tampa Bay Lightning last year? Ross Colton. It wasn't Kucherov, wasn't Hedman, it wasn't Stamkos, Point, Palak, Kalorn, wasn't any of the guys you list off. It was Ross Colt who scored the cup-winning goal because you need you need those guys to come through and, and contribute for you. And again, we have miles to go before this team is is, is there. But if it's going to happen, uh, that that's what you'll need. Okay, okay. wait, 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 wait. You wait. who is your pet? Okay, I thought Bunting was your teacher's pet. Okay. <laughs> oh, of and course. Now, you're, he now is. you're morphing into Nick Ritchie. Like how many? You know, no, no. How here's, many pets here, can you have? Well, here's the problem. I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I feel like it's kind of obvious Michael Bunting's going to score a goal. Uh, he he had points in five straight games up until last night. Uh, we're still waiting for Nick Ritchie's first of the year, so that's why I uh, so I picked on him. But, yes, if we're picking a teacher's pet for me, 1,000% Michael Bunting. I, I'm not straying from that any way, shape, or form, Gord. And, and by the way, because we're going to have uh, all kinds of time, you know, a one-hour show every Sunday. And just in general, when we do uh, Leafs, uh, the, the Leaf games and Leafs Nation pregame, postgame, uh, one real surprise is, and look, the guy scored a lot of goals with Arizona. Like, yeah. you know, it, it, he didn't play a lot of games. And on a real bad, he had something like 10 goals in 21 games. Like, I was really surprised that, you know, he comes with so such little body of work, but it was it was actually uh, pretty impressive because at first you think, okay, another local guy story wants to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and hopefully this can replicate what Zach Hyman did when he came over via trade from Florida. And uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I was uh, like, we we know we're looking at Cashy and Camp more as two way type players. In Bunty's case, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised by his offense, and then I've been reminded when I look at it, actually, actually the guy the guy even his brief time in the NHL that was part of his makeup. 51 games so far for the Scarborough product in his NHL career. 17 goals, 31 points. Uh, if he if he can keep that pace up, he is going to have uh, a dandy uh, of an NHL pace. career. That's a 30-goal that's yeah. pace, Brent, yeah. He'll take it. I will take it. Uh, Leaf Station will definitely take it. Uh, we gotta, we got to look ahead at the week that's coming up for this team. And let's be honest, that includes tonight because this week isn't done yet. Leafs got the Jets tonight. Now, Gordon and I will be back with a post-game pod, but we're not going anywhere yet. We have plenty of a week to preview. we got to look at the Marlies, take a little quick spin around the NHL. we got about a half hour left on the Leafs this week. Sportsnet 590, the fan. The Leafs this week, Brent Cunning and Gord Stellick here with you, wrapping up the week that was, taking a look ahead at what's coming up for the Leafs. Obviously, uh, the Leafs 4-3 shootout non-winners last night in Minnesota. Uh, the back half of a tough back-to-back coming up tonight against the Jets. Uh, Gord, it feels like we haven't had very many of these back-to-backs. I'm trying to think. Just feels like there have only been two or three this season. I don't know. Maybe that says something about how jam-packed the schedule has been the past couple of years that I don't think that that's a lot. But yeah, it feels like like they haven't had to do this uh, a lot so far this year. 
Well, you know what you can do, and, and I think Brendan Shanahan, when it, he wasn't in the front office in Detroit, but when you put the schedule together, you throw out um, uh, home dates, okay? You don't control the road, but you throw out home dates to the schedule maker, and then you get different drafts back. And if you have flexibility and you can eliminate a back-to-back and you have, say, the next day at home available, then you can move it around. And the Red Wings did that. I mean, they didn't have an NBA team at Joe Louis Serena, so they had a lot of flexibility. And I think... Given, you know, the COVID world that normally Scotiabank Arena, previously Air Canada Centre, is booked to the gills, right? You get NBA dates, you get NHL dates, and concert after concert after concert after concert. So I think that that probably helped um, massage the schedule for this year anyway, even though it looks like more and more some of the some of the groups are coming back. Yeah, that is a that is a good point. Yeah, I honestly hadn't thought about the the concert availability and maybe maybe allowing that. Yeah, uh, the Leafs on the road in in Winnipeg tonight. Uh, so the the one roster story we do know is Mitch Marner will be out again tonight. Uh, Jason Spets was tremendous, but, you know, essentially filling in for him. I know Simmons got a look uh, up on, up on that top six. You know, there was Richie f- floating around up there as well. Of course, Michael Bunting flanking Austin Matthews uh, so successfully. But you know, it's just I I think that the the way everything ended last year and the conversations that have been had of can you have this core together? I think a game like last night just kind of highlights be, be careful what you wish for if you're trading any of those big four pieces because, you know, Mitch Mitch Marner, he, he can have games that have frustrated people, especially in the playoffs, myself included, but I think you watch that game last night and it's it's just obvious, you know, he is not, this the, this team is not the same with, without him in the lineup when he's going as well and it's just, a, it's, it's just a little reminder of be careful what you wish for if you're armchair GMing any trades for this team. Well, uh, and again, you, trading is different than, quote, getting rid of dumping. And uh, sometimes when people get fed up, they, they say, well, that's no. It, it, uh, uh, unless there's a blockbuster deal, uh, Ryan Johansson, Seth Jones always jump, you know, jumps out, that kind of thing, two young players. Uh, yeah, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. They, they, even, even though I'm the last one to put it to rest about the whole contractual situation and how it could have played out better, how it could have been, you know, and, and my impression was when John Tavares signed that there was a had been a meeting of minds with everybody about getting things in place. Instead, he he just got everyone else to up the ante. So, yep. you know, that is there's an element of water under the bridge, except I find the five year term to Austin Matthews unforgivable. You know, given Connor McDavid has an eight year term and everybody else was signing for seven or eight-year terms, prominent, you know, prominent. Mark Scheifele's on an eight-year term in, in Winnipeg. And, you know, that really changed the market. And a lot of other other agents have been trying to get that five-year term because, you are you know, basically all you, all you bought off him was one year of unrestricted free agency. And you'll start getting that distraction if he doesn't re-up a year before like you're allowed to. Well, it's funny. Every everyone in the league is sitting there going, "Man, we got to figure out this 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 cap debt that the players owe, so we can get the salary cap up." And I think the Leafs are sitting there going, mm, "Maybe it doesn't need to jump until after Matthews uh, ha- has his deal dealt with." Because that that's the thing I'm looking to with that is, you know, and I agree with you. They like like you would love the eight year term. That's what you want on a guy like that. You want him here as long as possible. But there was a belief at the time when he signed it, and hey, you know, who knows what the market's going to look like? That he's going to be, you know, a sm- smashing the the money McDavid makes or or something like that and with the flat cap world and and guys aren't necessarily having the chance but I mean we'll we'll see what McKinnon signs for it feels like 
that's going to be the number Matthews will be pointing for when when it comes up uh, for for him. Uh, in terms of looking ahead to to tonight's game, uh, you know the Jets. You're you're going into Winnipeg. Blake Wheeler's going to play his, his thousandth game. That's always a cool thing in this league. Uh, Wheeler has had a dreadful start to the season. I I don't believe he scored a goal yet. So uh, that I mean, not that I'm clamoring for it, but uh, boy, it feels like a, a special night is coming his way with uh, him playing his thousandth game and potentially his first goal of the season. Uh, well, yeah, and we're talking, you know, regular season. I, 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 lo- I really like the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they would cost me money if I was betting about winning Stanley Cups, kind of like the Washington Capitals did for so many years before they actually won one. And Brent, they, you forget, like last year in the Scotia North Division, aka the Canadian Division, it wasn't just the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, save for the Montreal Canadiens, it was bitter, bitter parting of the ways. I mean, Winnipeg uh, applied that to the. Edmonton Oilers, the way they eliminated them, and then yep. they got the same medicine from the Montreal Canadiens. So, you know, it's it's. Uh, but they have won. Winnipeg has won playoff rounds before, so that's the one difference. But uh, yeah, they're trying to figure out, you know, what's the way about getting good habits in place to getting one of those deep dives and even deeper dives in the playoffs. But very balanced team. Uh, one year away from the outstanding, most outstanding goaltender in Connor Hellebuck in the league. I know the backup tonight will start for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but you know Jack Campbell's one of those guys who's uh, as outstanding a goaltender this year. So uh, these are Minnesota Winnipeg. These are really really good tests. And years ago, it was the test of going to Minnesota and Winnipeg. Just a little bit later, that cost Randy Carlyle's job. Was the final straw, right? That he uh, <laughs> lost those two games and came back and and uh, and he was out of work. So uh, it's still a couple years later, uh, a real good test. The Leafs did really well last night. Back to back, they'll be a tired team. I I quite often. Know, take issue with we uh, we tend to jump on the back to back too much and it's just the look at the way you travel now the nutrition the depth the shape the players are in and the rest that is provided compared to old style coaches that always want guy want players on the ice through thick and thin but that that was a game they they would have been spent that was that was a great physical effort in Minnesota last night and of course Winnipeg played on Friday so they got they got to chill a bit. Yeah, that that that's the thing. It's you know I think normally you're right. I think we make way too much of the back to back, typically speaking. But it's just coming off the fact uh, or the the fact that that was probably the Leafs' most physically taxing game of the year. You throw in the fact that they had to go in overtime, they have to go in a shootout on top of that. You know there, there there's fights, it's physical, and that's just a big, big, heavy, wild team that will lean on you. You know, just kind of sticking with the preview of, of tonight's game for a second. You know this this Jets team, they might have the guy who. I, I'm not going to go as far as say he's the most underrated player in the league because I think he gets his due, but he might be the most underrated star in the league, and that's Kyle Connor. He's just a guy who's terrifying. He he last I checked is leading the NHL in shots this year, and you know I think I think when we think of great goal scorers in the league, he is one that maybe just just fits a little under the radar way more than he should because I mean outside of Ovechkin and Matthews, he's kind of as dangerous as it gets. Well, you, so you got the presence. Of, you bring up some great examples: the presence of Ovi, the presence of Matthews. So let's let's throw Sidney Crosby. I know it's not for sure his vintage year right now, but you know those kind of guys in the mix. And then you got this unassuming Kyle Connor guy. Well, you know he's harmless, right? It just looks like he know. works at the Apple Store. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it tells you that no, you can't come in. You got to book an appointment and come back in two hours <laughs> or whatever it may be. But uh, uh, yeah, and all he does, all he does is score goals. And there's some new ones there, like Chris Kreider out of the New York Rangers and Andrew Mangiapane out of Calgary, that are among the goal scoring leaders. But Kyle Connor's actually done this. Like he's this, 
He's this kind of like first-round pick that Mark Shifley got more props in front and center, and Patrick Liney did when he was a Jet, you know, and, and uh, Kyle Connor was just just kind of there. And uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's um, that's kind of a uh, he's kind of like Mitch Marner without the hype of being Mitch Marner. Yeah, yeah, and and a shot. I, I think we should probably uh, clarify oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. no, no. Mitch, Mitch, yeah, Mitch Marner is not doesn't isn't harmless looking. No, when yeah. Mitch Marner gets the puck, he's not he's not harmless looking. Kyle Kyle Connor's got this. Ah, oh, it's kind of harmless looking guy that all of a sudden scores twice and you lose. Yeah, aw shucks. Oh wait, it's it's in the back of the net. And yeah, this team. I mean, any team in the Canadian division. Uh, you had tons of battles against. So we'll see if any of that uh, gets kicked up. Kind of funny what the next game on the schedule is, and and uh, we'll have this game on the station. Uh, this is the Leafs and Blue Jackets. That's on Tuesday. So officially diving into next week, uh, the Jets and Blue Jackets. They're going to be tied at the hip for quite some time because of that line A uh, Dubois trade. Uh, I mean, you you go into Columbus. I think I think people still have memories of the the bubble series. We we brought it up. A ton this this week actually. Uh, that'll be a that'll be a fun game back at home uh, with with hopefully a team that's a little more rested and really hopefully Mitch Marner in the lineup. Well, you you, you brought it up uh, very apropos because Joe Bo and Jim Ralph we always enjoy their broadcasts and they were trying to figure when the Leafs had come back from three goals down on the road and won a game because they were on the verge of doing that last night. And you pointed out that technically they did that in the bubble, even though that was on home ice again, in and with no fans in the stands in their home building uh, against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And uh, he went back a few, and uh, Stevie fell in our stats whiz. And, and the one, actually, it was back when I was doing the games for four years. I was the color guy with Joe Bowen. But the Valentine's game in 1993 against Minnesota, they won 6-5 in Minnesota on a Sunday like today. And they were down by maybe more than three goals. But anyway, came back, Dougie Gilmore, Todd Gill, all those guys. Oh. But I digress a little bit, but that's what we do on Leafs this week. It all comes together. You think I'm ever going to get mad at you about talking about Dougie Gilmore? Not a chance, Gord. Not not a, a, a chance there. And as I mentioned, we'll have that game uh, on the station. Gord and I will be back down at the rink. Uh, it's a return to uh, kind of normalcy with the Leafs schedule this week. So Tuesday at home against the Jackets. Thursday at home against the Lightning. I mean, that that is going to be a team that is going to be circled as a test game. It's going to be a potential playoff meeting. Anytime you go up against them, we know they handled themselves well, but it's uh, it's always fun when, when Tampa's uh, in town. Well, maybe not fun, but it's always exciting when the Lightning are here, and I think that'll be a good game on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, to me, those are two games that stand out, that they beat Boston, the Maple Leafs did at home, and they beat Tampa Bay earlier at home. That, yeah, that... that and Minnesota's another one of those teams yesterday, like a real, real good team. So against the best, and Colorado didn't bring their best. They certainly didn't bring their best goaltending Wednesday, but they're one of the better teams uh, about good habits against the best because that's the, the the 16 least best are out of it for the for the playoffs. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, they um, it was well known that because of Kucherov's injury, they kind of dodged the bullet cap-wise for another year, last year, and it's uh, this year it's taken its toll. They're still a phenomenal team, but, you know, that Goodrow line and, and uh, Coleman line that they had to lose, you're seeing the Leafs maybe putting something like that together, you know, with Cache and company and, and uh, uh, another another element that the Leafs will have in the playoffs as Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, looks to struggle, I don't say struggles, but needs to replace, you know, that all-important third and fourth lines. That was the thing. That was the thing I said about the Lightning heading into this year. Was you know I think they're still going to be really good. I think they're still going to be really dangerous. But 
we talked about that third line of theirs more than we talked about Kucherov, Stamkos, pointed at times during during the playoffs, and they lost all three of those guys. And it's just it's such a tough thing to find, and it's a really really tough thing to replace. You you mentioned the Leafs; they've been searching for that group forever, and yeah, maybe 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 they they finally have it. Definitely with Camp and Kasha and Pierre Engvall is uh, is definitely uh, trying to hang on to to that job. And then then Saturday uh, the the homestand continues. Uh, of course, you can watch it on Hockey Night in Canada. The uh, Against the team that kind of started it all this year. They had the 3-2 overtime win against the Blackhawks back in October. Uh, potentially saved some jobs. Potentially saved somebody from making a trade. Uh, and now they'll be back home against the Blackhawks on, on Saturday night. It does just feel like a, a kind of a... You hope it's not a bookend because you hope the good streak continues. But this was the group that they, they kind of started every the, this turnaround against. And uh, it'll be fun to see just how different this team is looking uh, against the last time they played Chicago when Chicago's back here on Saturday night. This is still a really tough ticket to get. You know, there's a lot of original six fans, a lot of Blackhawk fans. They only come in once. So that is a, a marquee hockey night in Canada battle, even if Chicago is no longer a marquee team. You know, it's funny. Uh, Tampa will be the only divisional rival the Leafs will play in the next three games. And the Leafs this week, which we'll be doing every Sunday at 1 p.m. Also, keep an eye out. Uh, El Gordo's Blue and White Vault stories are coming up. Mm-hmm. They'll be available. Yeah, we're going to get all that. I'm going to start off with the... Uh, how it all came together, drafting three Belleville Bulls in the first round, and you know, and put that, put that infamy, uh, the note of infamy about uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf scouting department did not have money beyond gas money to drive to Belleville. Okay, <laughs> we'll put that to rest about how it okay. all came together I in can't uh, wait. in in that one. But uh, every week we're, we're not going to be talking about playoff battles for the Maple Leafs, and that's kind of I, I don't know if it's refreshing or not that. Uh, last year was the case, but that was we knew that. That was a, a weaker division. That was a one-off. So back to the strong Atlantic division. And every other year, because it's been so strong, and at the time of the pandemic, when it hit, I mean, the Leafs were battling Florida for dear life to make it to the playoffs. Well, Montreal has just slipped, slid, and uh, gone into oblivion. You know, good on the Detroit Red Wings being somewhat competitive, but there's still another year or two away, you would think, anyway, to be serious playoff battles in Buffalo and Ottawa, just no chance whatsoever. So it's going to be Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, and Florida. So you're not going to have that... Um, you know, oh my goodness, like, what was it, uh, the, the year that Curtis McElmany made the big say on Sydney Crosby? Remember the That's last right. weekend Holy Macala, of the season? Holy McElhaney, yeah. what a That's call right. by Bowen. <laughs> and uh, so, not that you go on cruise control, and really the, 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 the great NHL teams out there are saved for the New York Islanders right now, I think are all in the same boat that you're kind of on a uh, home and cooled out for the Stanley Cup playoffs, but I didn't think it would happen this way. I, I just didn't see Montreal tanking like that, and I know some people had some optimism for Ottawa, but they got no chance. They're, they're, they're not tanking, but it's, it's, it, they got to be careful they don't take another step backwards. You can't, you can't take step backwards when you're at that level. You got you to gotta take baby steps forward if you can, or at a minimum, tread water. Well, you also got to kind of watch your mouth. Like, don't come out and say the rebuild's over unless you're certain of that. Like, there was a lot of crowing coming out of that market that we're ready to win. This team is ready. We've learned our lessons. Be careful. And then I think the other thing about that is if you're Detroit, uh, just look at that. We we spent all last year in the bubble talking about, man, this Sens team, they play so hard. They have such good young talent. If they could just fill in the pieces, and we all kind of bought in that, yeah, it's going to be a year where they take a step and look how it's gone. So it's just to kind of uh, be careful what you wish for. A couple things I wanted to sneak in uh, before we step aside here. Quick look around the NHL. Uh, nobody's hotter than Dallas, Mini, and the Rangers. They've each got six straight wins. Alex Ovechkin. 
Gord, uh, we, we knew he'd keep scoring goals. I don't think anybody saw it at this place. He is now at 750 for his career. He's just 16 back of Yager for, for third all-time. Although, I, I do wonder what Yager would have finished at if he didn't have his dalliance in the KHL. But just, uh, I mean, Ovechkin truly is the ageless wonder, and it's just incredible. Yeah, you know, a former NHL player, no analyst, Mike Rupp, he had a great stat that um, I think it's the last 10 years, but whatever the figure might be, we know what Obi's done offensively. He's fourth in hits behind guys like Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, and I forget who the other player was. It wasn't an Islander. Like fourth in hits. The guy's in his mid-30s, you know, and he's getting, and, and that's what he does. That's what he does. He goes out and leads his team and is among the league leaders in hits. I mean, that element of physicality and being able to be durable is phenomenal. And I don't know about you, I think the pause had a lot of people saying, you know, I, I was – thinking maybe Ovi had a chance to catch Gretzky's record, but I think whatever number of games were lost, like, what is it, 35 with the with the two pauses, um, two parts of the pause, the end of one season, the beginning of another, abbreviated schedule the next year, that uh, no way he's going to catch it. Man, we're all rethinking about it. We're all rethinking that. It's it's just phenomenal what he's doing. Yeah, even Gretzky's thinking it. He said he's hope, he hopes he's there to shake his hand when eventually uh, he does it because uh, I was I was right there and locked up with you. I uh, do want to sneak in a Marley's minute as well. The big thing to watch with the Marley's going forward, Peter Morazic, he's going to be on his conditioning assignment. Uh, you don't need to see anything from him. You just need to see him get healthy. Josh Jose, second on the team in scoring. Alex Steves, they signed him as an undrafted free agent. He's got 12 points in 11 games so far. Not bad for him there. The Marley's playing this afternoon at four against Laval. Gordon and I will be back on this feed right here uh, with a post-game pod. Leafs and Jets tonight at 8. Games back on the station on Tuesday when the Leafs host Columbus. Gordo, always fun. This has been the Leafs This Week.